Welcome to the Free Thinker Society podcast. I'm like, want to rant, I think, about, about conspiracy theorists and fuck that term and explain how the CIA coined that term. And I said, you know, we're, we're free thinkers. And as soon as the episode was over, Sam called me. He's like, you need to start a show called The Free Thinker Society with Mike Romanelli. What is going on, my freak geeks and free thinkers? This is Mike Romanelli with the Free Thinkers Society, episode number eight, season two. We had, of course, my man, Mystic Mark, as always, and we had a great guest. We had uh, my friend KP Burke on. He's got a, a great podcast you guys will learn about, and he just released his comedy album. And we just uh, hosted the comedy release party at the dojo with a sold out show. It was unbelievable. Mark, what did you think? KP's great. He knows a lot. I did not expect him to. It sounded like I I had like looked at his podcast and was like, oh yeah, Lafayette. Uh, I didn't know that he did two whole episodes on Lafayette. I've been yeah. researching that guy just for re- unrelated reasons. So when he said that, uh, what's his name? Shot a guy in Lafayette Square. I was like, huh. Let me ask about that. So KP, he's got. I mean stacks and stacks Wait. of knowledge <laughs> hidden and tucked away in there. Maybe it's because he was driving, yeah. he was accessing parts of his brain yeah. or something, but yeah, great conversation. He knows a lot. Clearly he retains a lot of the information that they talk about on uh, his podcast, American Losers History Podcast. Yeah. When you two uh, started talking about that, I realized I am too dumb for this conversation. I have in my mind how you both... <laughs> You both are just pulling out names of uh, guys from history and knowing all this. It was you, you both blew my mind with how smart you both are. <laughs> Fucking awesome! Uh, it's funny because I know KP in a different way. You know, we when I when I hang out with KP, it's in the clubs. It's, you know, it's stupid jokes and shit like that. And you know, I knew he was smart, but having this conversation uh, on the podcast today, is, holy shit, he's really smart. It made me feel pretty dumb today. But that's all right. Well, and I, I think that's what enjoy it. that's what the this podcast I think is really, really cool for because a lot of podcasts have comics on and they talk about jokes and all kinds of stuff and we we joke around here. But I think with the Free Thinker Society podcast, you see a side of these people that's you know not on stage, you know. And the t- truth is, most comics who do, uh, you know a good job of their, their art, their craft are intelligent people. You just have to be to excel at comedy. So that's, what's really becoming my favorite part of this is, is talking to all your friends and, uh, and seeing how much smarter they are than you, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't even know why they want to talk to me. Oh, I come hope you guys, on. Uh, enjoy. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, whatever. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I know it was a good one. And like I said, KP is awesome. And uh, his podcast rocks. Um, that's it, guys. I don't know. Leave us a review if you can. Tell your friends about it. We got some, Mark and I are working on some really awesome stuff. So I'm not too great with the marketing part, but right? Is that it, Mark? Just some reviews? and Yeah, yeah. Everybody who's listening right now, we appreciate you. This episode was recorded over the phone, so it might sound a little different from then when we're on Zoom or when we're in the studio, but just know, stick around with us, because the plan is to record as much as we can in studio. Eventually, Mike and I will be in the same studio, coming through the same mixer, so uh, we really appreciate everybody listening, and tell your friends about the show, man. It's growing. We're getting killer guests on, funny comics, intelligent, interesting people, even, you know, strange spiritual people. We've had some, some all sorts of different types of people on the show. So we're always open to your suggestions. If you're listening, please hit us up. Say, hey, I want to be on the show, or I know somebody who could be on the show, et cetera, et cetera. That's it. Absolutely. And, guys, don't forget, Sam Tripoli's coming to the dojo. It's like a big family reunion when the swarm comes to the dojo. So especially that Saturday, that last show we do on a Saturday is always a big fun hang. And I can't wait to see everybody. A bunch of you guys have been hitting me up. If anybody else needs any information, hit me up. You guys know how to find me. And I'll make sure you have an awesome experience if you come out to Jersey to see Sam Tripoli. Thanks, guys. Love you. I right know. 
JP, man, we had a fucking hell of a weekend, huh? Still riding the high on that one, brother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. So, I mean, I mean, JP, your album came out, what, Tuesday? And I had uh, the honor of uh, being the dojo, being the place to, to host the album release for your new album. And, uh, man, what a fucking night. What a show. I mean, I'm not, I'm not joking, KP. When I say one, your fans are now my, I have to say second favorite fans because obviously the swarm Sam fans are, that's like a family reunion when they come every, every you know, couple times per year. But your fans are fucking unbelievable. And then there's this other thing that happens and it only happens. It only happens to me five times. I might be generous, but I, it happened once. And now I try to look for it. It happened. To one of my first shows with Artie Lang, I was uh, putting garbage out and I don't know. I need to call this something, but you know, anybody knows the dojo, the, the dumpster is across the parking lot. Right. Um, and I remember putting, taking garbage out and you could hear and almost feel the room erupt when someone's killing in there. Like I said, it doesn't happen every weekend. I wish, but it happened with Artie Lang. And I just, it was a, this weekend in New Jersey, it was like a hundred degrees. So I needed a breather. So to take a breath, I just took out some garbage while KP was on and he the, the fucking dumpster. I'm not joking. was rattling. That's how much he tore up the dojo this weekend. So it was fucking, I'm still riding the high. Cause I, I can't imagine how you guys feel when that happens, but I feel it's just amazing energy. It's just a, the best feeling. I can't imagine what it feels like to be the person killing. I feel so like I missed out. Rant, you did. Anybody didn't come missed out. You sure. were missed, Mark, but uh, we're making shit happen now, so it's all good. Right on. Yeah, yeah. that sounds like an uproar. Really cool. It was great. Yeah. Man. All the comics I brought with me killed. Um, Vic, the, the dojo door guy, went up and had a, a monster set. He, he wouldn't admit it because he's, uh, he's a good guy. He's a funny comic. Uh, but I, I do know it had to feel pretty good to get the kill in front of a sold-out room up there. I remember that feeling when I was starting out, so I was very happy to throw uh throw him the guest spot and of course he crushed it yeah which is interesting because the night before uh vic's one of my good friends so i could say this and if you guys do want somebody funny follow dojo door guy uh he's great and but vic fucking bombed friday night uh i think he gave him a spot on the jeremiah Watkins show and he fucking bombed like i had i've had talk with him while the show got the dumpster like it's all right buddy it happens you know Gotta get the reps in. And I was so happy that you gave him a guest spot and he crushed. Like, that was like, you know, his bombing is important, but it also could be, you know, it could also send some people to never come back. So for him to get that balancing act this week was, this weekend was great. Um, but yeah, KP, tell us a little bit about this album. I'm excited. I, I just downloaded it. I can't wait to listen to it. Well, thank you for that, man. It was, um, we recorded this uh, back in September. So, I, I knew I was going to do it. We we're waiting. Um, I have, I'm on the very, very much periphery of uh, the, the Kevin Smith universe. Mm -hmm. uh, so those guys all like me and I can hang out whenever I want kind of thing, but I'm not, uh, you know, it, part of it is not being desperate around them ever. I've never pitched a project or anything like that. I just do my yeah. own thing. Yeah. So, we're, the podcast we do, American Loser, is uh, done through, um, Someone from the show Comic Book Men. And then, okay. so I've been staying plugged in with them. And then all of a sudden, they kind of told me before it was officially announced Kevin Smith is opening uh, a black box theater where the movie store was from Clerks, where Randall was working. Oh, no shit. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. I said, that's exciting because it's in the same strip mall where the quick stop is. And I'm uh -huh. uh, you know, pretty exciting. And I, I got to become good friends with Brian O'Halloran, who played Dante, and a bunch of those other guys um, that were in Clerks, uh, one of them being Ernie O'Donnell, who owns the, that space now. That black box theater is called the Smod Castle. Um, and they're just starting out. They're trying to figure out what it is. It's like a live podcasting type venue or whatever. So as soon as I looked at um, the schedule, I said, well, my birthday is on a Saturday. So we're going to use my birthday to guilt everybody into coming out for uh, me taping something. I've been doing, you know, stand up for about 10 years i'm ready to put something out and uh my castle fell in there i was like well that's dream come true to go make something right where clerks was made you know in the, the heart of that whole u.s universe so 
it worked out pretty perfectly. Um, unfortunately, due to his schedule, Kevin Smith couldn't come out that night. Uh, he had to fly back to L.A. that day. And that's, that's not a joke. People were asking me when they do watch the special. I'm not joking. Steve Buscemi was there doing like a, uh, a live Q&A for the, his uh, 9-11 Firefighters Fund. Uh, he was there the night before doing a Q&A with Kevin Smith. And, uh, I mean, they sold a lot of tickets. They were very expensive tickets because it goes for a good cause. But then we came in and old KP Burke sold out two back-to-back shows. And uh, we buried Buscemi, you motherfucker. <laughs> um, KP, I, I, you know, I'm... I hang out with you a bunch. I see you a bunch, but I never asked you this. Do you, do you, so you actually, like, I know you're part of Kevin Smith's circle, right? I've, I've known that for a while. Do you actually, like, hang with him? I've never asked you that. So it's actually hilarious. It's I'm 0 for 3 in terms of ever. He knows who I am. He knows what the project yeah. is. Yeah. Every time I've been told, hey, we're going to get you a one-on-one with Kevin, usually it's either I chicken out or um, yeah, I don't ever want <laughs> to be the guy that's like, uh, Oh, you mean so much to me. Oh, oh, like my, like when I met Joey Diaz. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I met Joe, when I met Joey Diaz at the comedy store, first of all, I was on those fucking what are they called? Uh, um, the stars of death. The edible from uh, it's something like that. ABX something extract whatever. XG gave me so I said it's an honor to meet you, and I'm the guy from New Jersey with the club in New Jersey three times in a row. He looked at me like I was the biggest fucking retard, and I was like, <laughs> okay, what am I doing? I, I like, excused myself and just stood in the hallway for half an hour like, what, what is wrong with me? And I never do that. I'm around, you know, I'm around these type of people all the time. I don't know what happened. I'm oh, afraid. man. I could, I could one up that when I was, when, I was a little young, but, but when I was a kid... I went to go see the UFC uh, like fan expo thing, and on our way out, mm-hmm. we ran into John Jones getting into his car. Right, and I, I'm like a tall dude. You guys have both met me in person. I'm like looking John Jones in the eye at like 16. I'm like, John Jones, fight good, good fight. And he just shakes my hand. He's like, okay, cool. And I'm just like, you know, like in shock you know like my favorite ufc <laughs> fighter ever and i just shook his hand and and babbled in front of him so yeah been there and then he asked you if uh he asked you if you could give him a ride home and you said no you seem fine to drive <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was that was way before he got down and dirty yeah for sure i don't know he had a good <laughs> reputation back then uh he was going to be the yeah. hero of the sport when he first started i loved him uh, me too. I saw him. I saw him get his uh, his title in North. It was amazing. Beat Shogun. Um, but yeah. So KP, you're talking about uh, this podcast that I heard you on on Tinfoil Hat. So basically, it's like a. It, can you give us a little bit on this? It's, it's such a cool idea. American like, what's losers. The, what's the whole premise. Yeah, American losers. Like, what's the premise? But uh. It's, and thank you for saying that, too, because there, there's so many. I've done a bunch of podcasts today, and there's a lot of – everybody should have podcasts. They all should. But the more unique you can make it to yourself, then the, the better the thing is. You know, if I, that's how you carve out your people. You know, that's how Sam's got his people. You guys have your people. <laughs> um, so for me, I wasn't uh, – I tried a podcast with a couple friends where it was just us you know, BSing with each other. And it was fun, but it wasn't really doing anything because there was a tendency for inside jokes. Um, yeah. And so we, we kind of just, you know, that, that ran its course. And I said, all right, I have to do something else. Um, and at the time I was working on, the, the original idea was a book. And it was an election year. It was 2016. And I was going to write um, going to write a book with just quick little blurbs about all the people who ran for president and lost. So it's yeah. like everybody who was almost our president. And yeah. Uh, <laughs> but writing books is hard. <laughs> so oh, I'm sure. Instead, yeah, we wound up uh, compiling a list of stuff. Like there was a bunch. And then just in doing research for that, you go down these other weird wormholes of, uh, oh, and so-and-so was related to this guy. And this guy tried to overthrow the country before it even started. And so you started realizing, like, there's really a good uh, – uh, there's a lot of losers in history that don't get covered and talked about because, uh, you know, I, I don't think I ever opened my high school, uh, any school textbooks for history because 
I've been reading about this shit since I was a little kid and I, I have a, a passion for it. So I used to be, it was either the teachers were blown away at how much I knew or they were annoyed and they were like, all right, Mr. Burke, no more interruptions. <laughs> yeah. And affiliate, so you're going to say, um, that's, that's interesting, man. And it's, it's real. it's very cool that you're highlighting this because it just, it's wild. Like so much of history, just, you know, so much of history, just, it's gone, you know, and, and people are in and out of, especially nowadays with the news cycle so fast. So I'm sure you're finding some really interesting stuff. What, you know, this is the free thinker society. We have all types of people on this show from, you know, people that tell us they're from different galaxies to guys that took too much acid at Burning Man. What, uh, what's some of the wildest, uh, what's some of the wildest, uh, uh, stuff you, you, you've come across? Okay. So I didn't even get a chance to tell Sam about this one because we were, you know, Sam's mind works, uh, at such a rapid pace that he was soaking in every weird thing I was telling him. So I, I, we did a couple of things. Like he didn't know that, uh, the wizard of Oz was written about the gold standard. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's a true story. So the Wizard of Oz, big argument oh. on that, like around the time that book was coming out was, do we go to a gold standard or do we get involved with this thing called free silver? And there's a little bit of a comparison to like a cryptocurrency and stuff like that. But oh. the idea being that all the gold was being kept by like a top 1% type thing. So it was going to be very profitable for them. Um, and it would have been the ease, like their argument was it was an easier system for everybody. But free silver could kind of upset, you know, uh, you have a much, all of a sudden uh, the value is more dispersed throughout the country. Free silver. And they were so afraid, the people who, you know, were owning all the gold and everything like that. So your big names, uh, who are uh, the big guy who was the proponent for free silver, was William Jennings Bryan, who I think ran for president four times and lost. And okay. the time went time when he was like a no-brainer they're like oh my god he's on fire this is the year that he's gonna do it kind of a thing he uh uh-huh. he got unfortunately ran against a guy named uh mckinley who was a very boring candidate but he was supported by carnegie rockefeller and jp morgan okay and that's one of the first times in politics that you saw that uh the mckinley campaign outspent um or one and essentially, those guys were having a cigar and a brandy in a dark room one night saying, who do we want to run for president? And uh, so it, it, that, that's real. That, that sounds conspiratorial. It is not. Yeah, yeah. But so where does the Wizard of Oz come from that? So part of the uh, one of the major supporters of uh, uh, the, the gold standard was the guy, Frank L. Baum, who was the, uh, the writer of the Wizard of Oz. And he wrote his fantasy tale as kind of an allegory for... Um, uh, when you start looking at it, it's all there that uh, she's a young girl from Kansas and she has to figure the only way she can get back home is by following the, it's not the yellow brick road in the book. It's the gold road. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's, it's the, sorry. the road is made of gold. Yellow is gold. And then uh, she doesn't have ruby slippers. She has uh, silvers. Slippers, I believe. She has silver, silver slippers. slippers. Yeah. She, the, the funny yeah. thing is the book and the movie are very different. I, I took a, a, kind of a look at this from a different approach. I found out that Frank Baum was a theosophist, so I was looking into the theosophical symbology in The Wizard of Oz, and I have no doubts that he was, you know, a skilled enough writer to use, you know, both. I'm not saying it's one or the other, it's theosophy or it's what you're suggesting. I think he he used both to weave into this narrative. But yeah, there was a ruby palace, and she wore silver slippers, and then in the movie... I guess they thought the idea of ruby slippers was more attractive, so they they swapped that out. But, you know, the book obviously goes into much more length, and and there's more monsters and all sorts of twists and turns that don't make their way into the movie. But, yeah, it's it's certainly certainly a weird, weird story. The Yellow Brick Road, gold, then they go to the Emerald City. The Emerald City is, is, at least from the theosophical perspective, supposed to represent the heart but kp what is what does that uh mean through this like economic lens so that's awesome too by the way because it, it's fun it's very fun to talk about this and it doesn't happen too often but when i did mention this that's one of those moments when sam triply goes hang on what 
<laughs> so, um, so he said that so I was explaining to him, I said, Dorothy's the girl from Kansas. Kansas is representative middle America. Um, and then she meets, uh, uh, the scarecrow who's portrayed as a, you know, a dumb farmer. If he only had a brain, well, the best way to get you a brain is to get you on this gold standard with us. And then we can all go to the Emerald city together. And then they meet the tin woodsman who's supposed to be an industrialist. And he's a, a guy working in like, uh, you know, the factory floor, if you will. And, and the best way to get him where he's trying to go is so that he can, uh, use the gold standard. And then I'm not even kidding. This is the craziest one. The cowardly lion is actually. Uh, pretty much making fun of William Jennings Bryan. But if you look at a picture of William Jennings Bryan, you'll see where some of this cowardly lion thing He seems all big and scary, but really he's a giant pussy. <laughs> he kind of does have like that. The I'm looking at a picture of him right now. He kind of has that like the facial expression of the uh, character from the movie for sure. It's there. And I also uh, I forget what the one Muppet's name is, but, uh, the legal eagle guy or whatever it is from the Muppets. Huh. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I don't know his name either. The blue guy, where he was like, oh, yes, we, uh, everything seems to be yeah. in order. <laughs> yeah. That one blew my mind, and Devil Dan Sickles is the greatest American who ever lived. All right. I would, Yeah, okay, go ahead. I'll make it short. Devil it. Dan. Oh, you don't have to make it Devil short Dan at all. You know, I'm <laughs> processing the whole uh, Wizard of Oz thing. Because in a, in a sense, right? I mean, if that guy was trying to get us back on the gold standard, those those to me that seems like they were like true patriots trying to figure out a way to, to get everything back. No. Well, it was um, it was definitely uh, it's so weird to absolute truth is that the Wizard of Oz was a piece of uh, very well disguised propaganda, as Mark was kind of talking yeah. about that it's, it's you can hide yeah you can hide these messages in there, and then the kids are just sitting. There. It's like when kids read Harry Potter and they're actually reading, it's almost a Jesus story and they just don't know it. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Right. I mean, you could, yeah. With any of these big blockbuster, any type of stuff, for sure. For sure. But, uh, Devil right. Dan kind of yeah. blew our minds. He was, uh, my father actually stopped and he goes, all right, this guy fucking rules when we were doing the research <laughs> for him. Um, <laughs> we knew about him. He's considered, uh, he made a real boneheaded move at the Battle of Gettysburg, and he moved his okay. troops forward. He was a, a general for the Union, a major general for the Union, and um, moved his troops way forward, uh, much more so than they were supposed to be, and literally got a lot of his men just butchered. Um, and in the process, he actually got his leg blown off by a cannonball. So... Yeah, so in order to show his men that he was still alive, he actually lit a cigar as they were carrying him off the field and was puffing the smoke up into the sky so that his pretty, um, the men would know that he was still alive and they should keep fighting. Um, Badass. So then he hardcore. Yeah, and then the guy gets his uh, severed leg. He gets it preserved in a pickle uh, barrel and then donates the bone to uh, the Museum of Army uh, Medical Science. And he would walk and take people to go visit his leg. So he'd be like, hey, I want to show you something real quick. And he'd bring him to the museum and they'd sit there and like have a brandy. And like, yeah, hey, that's my leg. That's <laughs> <No. laughs> wild. But I'm not, that, that was, that's how I knew about him as a little kid from going to Gettysburg and being a Civil War buff. What happened yeah. to him before that is ridiculous. Um, he was, he got an, uh, elected into a, he was a, I want to say he was a representative uh, of the state of New York. So he was in the U.S. House of Representatives, and he was known to fuck anything that moved. Um, he had a wife who was considered one of the most beautiful. <laughs> he had a, a wife that was considered one of the most beautiful women in all of D.C. She was like Italian from Italy, which was like very, you know, that, that wasn't uh, the mass migration wave hadn't come over yet. So he, yeah, like Omaha, like Hayek looking like. Serious, like serious exotic back then. We're still exotic oh, in some places in the South. It's true. It's uh, but imagine bringing like a, uh, you know, all, you show the first time that uh, like I got a lot of buddies from down south, and like the first time that like they probably saw Selma Hayek or Shakira. I, I'm sure that was like a big moment for them. <laughs> yeah. 
But Devil Dan had this gorgeous wife, and then um, he was also always fucking whores. He used to bring whores on, like, trips to visit, like, he brought a hooker with him to visit the Queen of England. (laughs) This guy is such a savage, okay? So then, this is the craziest part of the whole story. His wife knows that she's being cheated on all the time, and she's kind of, and she's also very, very good looking. And another young guy in D.C. who happens to be known as uh, a little bit of a, a pussy magnet, um, he starts uh, a courtship with her. And his father is Francis Scott Key, the guy who wrote the Star Spangled Banner. Oh, shit. Yeah, so the guy who wrote the Star Spangled Banner, his son is now, you know, a good looking guy. He's banging Dan Sickles' wife. And then Dan Sickles finds out about it and goes into this rage grabs a pistol and in the middle literally within sight of the white house where he lived where all the representatives were living in the heart of dc on a busy street walks up to the guy and shoots him dead three times in the chest whoa so broad daylight and this is before he's before who he before he the history knows about him how the hell did he get right it was before the civil war so uh dan sickles dan sickles is the first case um, where temporary insanity was used and successful. Oh, no shit. And it was a lot of a trial, too. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I was wondering if you were going to say, like, maybe back then if you found, you know, someone cheating and wasn't against the law to kill them. But reason of insanity. Wow. Got all of the public support which was behind uh, Dan Sickles. They're like, yeah, fuck that guy. If he's screwing my wife, of course I'm going to shoot him. So the whole public opinion sided with him to the point where when yeah. they declared him uh, not guilty or, uh, you know, obviously not guilty, but sure. when they, uh, they realized that he wasn't going to be going away and doing any jail time or anything, uh, a marching mm-hmm. band came into the court and played him down the street. <laughs> oh, my God. Man. Yeah. Crazy. Very weird. Crazy. There's definitely, there's definitely, chaos yeah, it's been that way forever. Mm. Yeah. Well, and this is, in, yeah, this is interesting. I mean, broad daylight murder in Lafayette Square. Do you know anything about uh, Lafayette, KP? Because from what I've understood, this guy, uh, Lafayette was a, a pretty big deal. He went all over the country, and now there's like streets, squares, all sorts of places named after him. I mean, I he, his life is fascinating. Yeah, oh, no, you're right, and they're, they're going to keep that up too because he's having a little bit of a renaissance uh, in how we appreciate him. But he was, uh, we did a two part episode on his life because it was so interesting because he had, um, he pretty much got banned from France. He was training. I'm not even kidding. He trained with the Musketeers, but he was learning how to do all the stuff. Yeah. He came from, yeah, the Marquis de Lafayette. Um, okay. He is uh, training with the Musketeers at a young age. He's a rich kid, but he wants to be like out there fighting crime and stuff. So the comparison we always made for him is that he's pretty much Batman. Yeah. So. He's got, you know, he's always involved with this stuff here. He decides that the best way for him to get into a war, because all of his family, all of the male members of his family, they always died at war. So his best mm-hmm. chance to honor the family legacy and get on the battlefield was to go fight for America. So uh, he gets a letter from Ben Franklin and is presented to uh, George Washington. They became like best friends. And uh, he saw a bunch of action. He, like, he, Got a lot of the troops trained up properly, uh, kicked some ass in the American Revolution, and then he leaves as an American hero, uh, and then he goes back to France, and then France is sitting there saying, hey, we're going to have a revolution too, just like they did in America, but they fucked theirs entirely up because it fell down to mob rule, and they just started beheading everybody, and uh, Lafayette was pretty much trying to fight to keep his country together, and his entire life, I think he was banned from his hometown from his home country, I think three separate times. Uh, they threw him in prison for a while, and then finally he comes back to America, and America's throwing like big three-day parades every time this guy comes around because we love him. And he goes, at, at some point you'd think he would just stay here, but <laughs> he winds up going back to France, and he uh, he dies in France eventually. Oh, shit. Yeah, why wouldn't he just live, live yeah. here where he, everyone loves him? 
Um, wow. Uh, so, KP, obviously, you're blowing my mind with, first of all, just how your, your knowledge. I know you're in your car right now, so you're not looking anything up. But your knowledge of history is crazy. I have a, I have a question for you. Uh, with all studying all, all this history, do you notice that history really does repeat itself? Uh, it, with a consistency that blows my mind. Sorry, but I had a guy cut me off. Um, That's okay. It happens with a. It, it really does blow my mind how often things. Uh, I think it happens on thirty-year cycles. I think that's what works. Yeah. What makes you yeah. say thirty? Is there like a theme or a pattern you notice? Is it because thirty's pretty specific? Yeah, it seems to me that it takes thirty years because I, I always make sure to tell people too that the show's not political. Um, there's plenty. If you're looking for evil, um, no, even though <laughs> it's just my my observation, the Democrats tend to try to forget about all the bad shit they do. They seem to get more leeway. Um, you know, both parties have plenty of blood on their hands and plenty of awful policies oh, throughout the years. Absolutely. So, uh, but it, it'll take about 30 years where, uh, you know, there's a lot of people I know that consider themselves uh, uh, 30 years ago would have been an absolute liberal, you know. Um, yep. And then right now, their positions are putting them more towards a moderate, maybe even right-leaning uh, position. And uh, again, in, in our lifetime, guys, it's not too crazy to think about this. I don't want to say anything that will get you in trouble on the podcast here, but impossible. Uh, it's, yeah, you I, could say anything you want. Here. <laughs> All right, I, I won't say who it was. Let's just say they've been in a couple of movies, and I'm friendly with them. And they they were um, going on a rant one time, and I don't have any political opinions. I just know if you're going to bring yours up to me at a party where it's uncalled for. I'm going to take the other, I'm going to make fun of you. I'm going to take the other stand, like side just to make it difficult for you. Yeah. So, uh, I had a friend ranting about how, like, yeah, I live with all these dumb hicks now who all think that the election was stolen. They're still mad thinking the election was stolen. And I said to him, like, oh, you mean in 2000? Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, brother. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting, KP, about the 30 year cycle because I'm, I'm, I'm not that bright at all, but I, you know, my intuition is yes. You know, I, it's been right a, more times than, than less. And exactly what you just said is literally what I was talking about with my wife yesterday um, about how you know we're all we're all pretty much liberals. And I don't even know what I am. I don't believe in politics at all. And I think it's all I was going on a, a whole tangent with her, just saying how I just think it's all they're they're starting to crop up. Uh, like yeah, people are are more comfortable to say. But they're right, like you said. People are look maybe liberals are now turning. Let's say it looks like they're becoming conservative, or whatever. But that's gonna that's gonna rug pull. They're gonna do something. It, it, it's just it's just the same bird, man. It's the same. It's WWE. It's the same shit over and over and over. What I was wondering about history, not so much politics, but history. Like if you see any resemblance, I hear this all the time. Once again, I'm not that smart. Just go by my gut. They the with the, I see parallels with the Roman Empire and this empire of America. And that's why I was asking. I'm always worried about the end. And when is it over? Or is, is this, you know, luxury life that we all live in, is it going to end anytime soon? And I've heard and I've heard from people say that, you know, we have a lot of resemblance towards the end of Rome. Um, is there any truth to that? Uh, do we look like a dying empire? Like when you study other, other histories and other empires? It's, um, it's, there's some stuff there that's very fun to talk about. Um, there's also, uh, I would say that our, our greatest asset, and this is going to sound ridiculous, the greatest American asset that we have is the gridlock that the system is designed with. Mm. So if you look at the countries that fell into fascism post-World War yeah. I uh, and the countries mm -hmm. that fell into communism, there was not like a whole lot of governing bodies that could upset that or it was very easy to have the we it's crazy to think this and I, I do I will argue with anybody. Um, America's system of government and the three branches and the checks and balances is the greatest thing uh, probably man yeah. has ever come up with. See and I believe that. I believe that the forefathers set this thing up on purpose. That's why I don't like messing with 
you know, messing with it. And that makes me feel like I don't, you know, I don't, you know, you study this shit. So that makes me feel so much better that you say that. So, so any of these other places that turn to communism, they did not have the same, obviously, they have the same thing set up like we do. Now, when Russia fell, it was the Bolsheviks. Yes. Yeah, that was like, that, that, literally you watch, I think that's why everybody is always so afraid of communism when you hear about the Red Scares and stuff is because mm-hmm. um, the czars were aristocracy. If you look at like, um, you know, like a movie like Cinderella or something, like a lot of the old regal um, palaces, that's all taken from like what the, you know, the czarist Russia had to offer. They were like, that literally it was like fairy tale stuff. And then that fell and went to shit in a bad way. And uh, a lot of people just got disappeared and never heard from again. Well, I mean, it does, to me, it does seem like it's the end of something. Uh, you know, I was, I was going for a walk this, this morning and uh, every single station was talking about the school shooting. Everyone's coming up with their, uh, their ideas and what we got to do with, uh, you know, the guns and then, you know, putting more police in the schools and all. And I'm like, you know, if we're going to start changing, if we're going to start changing the Constitution, like we need to, before that happens, yeah, okay, yeah, it's, it's, it's nice to say in the world, we just take away everyone's guns. Sure, great. But that, that document was written for a reason. And yeah, it's not a, it's not a fun thing to think about. But if, if we're going to start changing shit in there, then we need to completely change who we are. Are we ready to do that? You know, we need to really change everything. And, and I don't think, I think we're way too lazy. We put band-aids on things. So, you know, and I also do think, not that I'm saying this was a staged event or anything, but I do think this just the media is really at blame. And, and they, you know, they get richer off this shit. And they just get us fighting more and more about it. And... You know, now we're getting a big gun debate when when a bunch of children were just murdered. And, you know, it keeps happening, and nobody wants to talk about the pharmaceuticals, even though that's the biggest thing. You know, no one wants to talk about how every one of these shooters are on pharmaceuticals. And even to fix that problem, how are you going to do it? It's a big, big problem. But I think our forefathers set this thing, this, this experiment thought of America up in a way that is what is brilliant. It's, uh, we're very lucky to be here too, man. And that's why, and again, it is pretty funny when you hear countries that are, uh, like usually, and I'm being honest here, a lot of the countries that get pointed to, um, as, uh, you know, see in the civilized world, you know, in this country or in Norway or anything, you know, like you have to remind yourself like, oh yeah, didn't they, didn't they get taken over by the Nazis? (laughs) You know, wasn't that a, a whole thing? Wasn't, uh. Uh, the guy's name Vidcon Quisling, who ran a puppet government for the Nazis. You know, it, it, it's you have to have. It's such a. And by the way, the, the gun thing really boils down to this. Once it was explained to me this way, I've never thought twice about it. It's uh, people in cities don't want guns because they feel like the ability for first responders is greater because it's a concentrated group of people. Um, you will never get gun laws. Uh, uh, you will never get liberal gun laws out in North Dakota because uh, that person has a 45-minute to an hour wait time for an ambulance yeah, they break their ankle. That's very true. That's, so, that's true. And they're going to deal with grizzly bears and all other types of things. And, you know, and the other thing that nobody, you know, we all know it, and it's, you know, but it was also put in there. And God forbid our government, you know, we had to go, we had to fight against our government. And I know it's a really, you know, it's not something you want to say, you know, people get they're very nervous about that. And they'll say, you know, you don't need these assault weapons to, for hunting, or you don't need these assault weapons to, you know, I guess assault is probably the wrong word, but, you know, automatic rifles or semi-automatic rifles. And, uh, you know, in, where we are in New Jersey, it's hardest friggin', it's so hard to get, you know, we have some of the strictest laws. Now, not to get into this whole debate, do I do, do I think that we need a little more checks and things? Sure, why not? But, but banning something doesn't ever work. I mean, look at we have the, one of the biggest drug problems in the world, and every drug well, is pretty. Is well, here, I mean, so. come on, let's 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 get out of the conventional way of talking about this. I mean, why did the founding fathers put that in the founding documents? Because they were dealing with a tyrannical, corrupt, 
force that was oppressing them and that did not go away maybe it went away for 10 or 15 years in the united states but those people just came in they got their claws sunk into the establishment and the institutions here and they've slowly but surely tried to rot away at that foundation i don't know how successful it is because personally i'm always thinking hey don't fall into fear you know we we don't need to fall into that trap but you know with that being said i i don't think that it's as simple as uh you know what we're being told in the mainstream i think it's it's the the gears that are operating behind the scenes the the strings that are being pulled by these hands that are you know these shadowy organizations these royal families that have been behind the the scenes of power for thousands of years yeah it's funny you say that mark because uh my what i always thought about the the wizard of oz what i got from it was the message was that there's this idea that there's this government or whatever you want to call it this is something above us that's holding us down and it's built to be so much scarier than it really is so it's like that's what i thought the message was that that, that the oppressors the globalists whatever you want to call them that they're not as strong as they really think they are just some old man behind the curtain that's that's one of the messages i got which i also thought was kind of interesting that kp then tells us about this guy uh, uh, was something to do with the gold standard, which I, I believe that the gold standard is something that would probably save America if we got back on it. Um, most people don't even realize that we're not on it. But, so that's an easy way to get people just free thinking. It's just asking them how their money's back, you know? But, uh, it's kind of fun that um, the, uh, the Pope's powers are the same powers of the dollar, that it's only backed by the faith of the people who believe in it. Yeah, yeah man. Fucking A, that is brilliant. Yes, KB. Do you guys know about the uh, the Whiskey Rebellion, by the way? No. Tell us. Uh, this is pretty cool. In a nutshell, it's um, uh, Washington was president now at this point, and that's kind of one of the reasons. I believe that set the precedent for the president to be the head of the United States military. That's your commander-in-chief kind of title. And he actually had to ride out to put down a rebellion over a, uh, a whiskey tax that was coming out. And it was out in Pennsylvania. <laughs> and there were a couple of skirmishes and stuff like that. And it was, um, it got dicey for a minute. And, and when we talk about it, they always skip over in the history books too. It's this, hey, we have, uh, uh, so then we have the American Revolution. Now we have a country. And then maybe there's a war of 1812. Uh-oh, looks like a civil war is coming. Like you skipped over the whole thing of how we had to take we we did not have the majority land uh, share of uh, the country at this point either. This is us. America existed from fucking the Jersey Shore to the Ohio River Valley. That was it in terms of how far west we were going. But um, Washington was able to put down the rebellion. Uh, and then they, they obviously handled And that, they always point to this thing here. If there was an armed insurrection against the newly established uh, United States that was in its infancy, um, and they decided not to take away the rights to own firearms then, then you're really never going to have a case where it, that should be the reason why, you know? Um, and I'm just saying this as a gun owner, too, not to circle all the way back, but just as a gun owner, I actually kind of love, I, I, I'm annoyed by them, but I want to be annoyed by them, New Jersey's gun laws. Mm-hmm. I live in Florida, I'm a, I remember going to exporting goods and saying I'd like to buy a shotgun. And then, uh, cool, I, I'm going to take that. When can I come pick it up? And the guy behind the counter is like, you're not taking it today? Yeah. Listen, I think that might be it too, man, because I'm not any side. But I have to agree with you. I think that maybe, maybe it's Jersey's gun laws. Now, I think restricting us to what we have, we're allowed to buy and stuff. I think that's bullshit. But the process is nothing wrong with it. And yeah, that's freaky, man. I was in Florida with my friend. And he walked out with like crazy shit. And I was like, this is all legal. I thought we were doing something illegal. Um, and it's crazy because I only know, you know, New Jersey laws. And then when you see what it's like in other places, uh, it is a little bit, it's a little bit 
lenient, let's just say. And uh, I think that's where people, you know, I don't know how, I mean, Connecticut, I'm sure it's the same, Mark. I think this whole area is pretty rough. But uh, Connecticut, it's like, you know, good luck. But no, they do have concealed carry. We have concealed carry. Everyone gets all up in arms. Yeah, how everyone gets up in arms and and fighting and this and that. But, But, so even people in New Jersey, like, we don't understand that it is so easy to get guns. So maybe there is a little bit of uh, something to talk about with that. And I'm not saying that anything should be banned. Listen, I'm, some, I'm a person that thinks everything. I think cocaine and heroin should be illegal. So I think everything should be legal. I, don't, I, don't, I think making things illegal and banning things does nothing to help any problem. Just, it just creates power vacuums and fucking black markets and death and violence with anything. I don't care. If we took off, uh, if we took menthol cigarettes away and you got, or there's going to be somebody that's going to have a killer business selling them. And if he makes enough money or she makes enough money, she'll end up killing people over menthol cigarettes. So you're not going to, you know, banning things never works. But uh, there's nothing wrong, in my opinion, and I'm sure some people are going to get very pissed off that I'm saying this. There is nothing wrong with looking into to see if maybe this person is not sane enough to own these weapons. You know, now I know that gets a little bit crazy because it's our amendments and it's part of the Constitution and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, we do have a serious issue with with especially these young people today and, and mental health. And we're not doing anything. So why not? You're, you know, you're right, KP. Maybe there's nothing really wrong. It's annoying when you want to get a handgun. You got to go through all the paperwork and everything. But, hey, you're still going through a system. They're still checking up on you. I mean, shit, man. I think it'd be as easy as just checking some people's uh, social media posts. I mean, if you're literally that, you could probably check a couple of social media posts from this last kid that did this shit and say, you know what? No way. This guy, we got to put him on a little bit of a list or, you know, give him some time before we decide this guy could have a gun or not. But it's very easy. Yeah, I, was, I, I agree with you, too. And there's uh, the social media one gets tough. What, what I love that they do that. And this is something I'm proud of, the state of New Jersey. And I, I have very libertarian leanings on most things. But I think this is a smart way to approach a delicate topic. Um, they make you get references before you can get the gun. It, it's like fun. It, it's it weird to me because I've had friends that have adopted dogs. And there's, you know, you have to have references for, you know, they'll call you and say, oh, is this person good for that, do you think? Are they going to be okay? So I, I believe they can call up and ask further questions if they need be. Um, but uh, in order to just have references, I think it's two people have to fill out paperwork saying, absolutely, yes, this person is, uh, you know, I trust them with a firearm. Here's how long I've known them. No, they're not a member of any extremist groups and anything like that. And, uh, and that, that really, it's a pain in the ass because it holds the process up. But you know what? Um, I would rather have a loophole or two. Um, it's annoying, but then make sure that the right people have, because I, I want people to have guns. Uh, I think, I don't think everyone should have them because they're just some people that have demonstrated an inability to, to do so responsibly. But um, mm-hmm. I grew up around guns. Uh, I never had a fear of them. Um Shooting was taught as like a sport thing. I've gone hunting on several occasions. It's it, when the people who, and it's so weird to me because it's the people that know the least about guns that tend to have yeah. uh, a strong. Do you remember that article that came out about, um, it's like one of those uh, like, like nerdy, friggin' like uh, blogs or whatever. And they put out a thing. I fired an AR 15, the same gun used in the Sandy Hook massacre, and it was absolutely terrifying. And yeah, I remember like that. But the M4 that I shot, um, you know, that we qualified on every six months, the recoil on those is so light that we used to jokingly, yes. jokingly, you could put that up to your crotch and fire it because the recoil was so light, it wouldn't even fucking, you wouldn't even, you couldn't even pretend you were getting sack waxed. Have you done it? We have done it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> oh man yeah dude i mean it's just sad you know it's a sad thing that happens and and, and you know as much as i'm down on this country kp have, having this talk with you today kind of reminded me you know my grandfather's been gone for a while and i definitely got smacked around by saying you know back when i was a kid raging against the machine and would say so much anti-american bullshit as a kid um and he'd you know, smack me around a little bit and explain to me that, you know, how this country would have meant to him and how he fled from Italy to bring his family here and 
It was everything to him. And uh, you know, all my grandparents were actually like that, the way they spoke about this country. But it's easy to get pissed off and angry. But having you on today kind of um, it got my uh, it got my patriotism in a good way back. So remember, this country really is great, and the forefathers did design it in a way that it's not impossible to be taken over. I, I wouldn't say that, but it's definitely rough. I do think the more that people just stop giving the shit, I think that maybe I'm wrong, that things can be changed behind the scenes where we say, holy shit, how do we get there? Hopefully I'm wrong with that. But the, the forefathers definitely, you know, made this place special. And, uh, you know, it's sad that we have what, what's going on in this world with the mass shootings and all the bullshit going on. But it is a pretty awesome, you know, it's, it's the best place in the world is America. I mean, without well, and that's exactly, and, uh, but that's exactly why it's been systematically manipulated to be this chaotic at this point in time. Uh, I would argue that maybe it started earlier than this, but we can probably all agree that post-World War II, America started changing a lot. You know, we had the the idealism of the 50s that quickly you know, became kind of an ironic thing, something to like kind of laugh at in the seventies and eighties because, you know, the gas shortage, I mean, I'm 27, so I'm, I didn't live through any of this. This is just what I've read, but I definitely think that the international forces and who knows, maybe I'm a conspiracy paranoid nut who doesn't deserve to have a gun, who knows? But I, I, I definitely <laughs> think that, uh, I definitely think that there are, corrupt forces the types of forces that your grandparents ran from in italy that have you know taken the reins of control here to some degree now does that mean that every single person is enslaved no but i think that they're trying to brainwash the rich kids and the city people and all the people who are dependent on the state to, you know, go along with this new world order bullshit, which really just originates with the powers from the old world. You know, the, the, the line of heritage has not been broken. It's just been obfuscated so that we don't know who the real, you know, black nobility is. Well, I mean, out of the Patriot Act definitely changed a lot of shit, right? A lot of things that should right. not have happened we said yes to. So that's what does scare me. And we did change things uh, internally. Um, but yeah, man, for sure. Uh, you know, but it is the greatest country. And it, it, it is, um, and you were saying, uh, one of you guys said about slaves, but, you know, I think that uh, that slavery is, has kind of changed. I'm not minimizing this slavery in this country, but, you know, people are definitely slaves to technology and slaves to status and slaves to to, uh, this we're, we're in a serfdom. We're in a sure. we're in a serfdom. We're in a in a mental slavery of sorts. But yeah, yeah, I'm not saying that uh, it, it's worse or better. I'm not giving a qualitative, uh, you know, anything yeah. on it. I'm just saying, like, hey, America started off with the intention of like, let's free ourselves from the tyranny of the old world. And over time, we've uh-huh. seen the, you know, the old world sort of creep back in. We'll say, uh, yeah, yeah. That's that's kind of part of when I asked JP too about the uh, it's repeating itself. I I have a weird, uh, weird, you know. Just I'm just always freaked out about the end of the world. So it's probably not even healthy. <laughs> I'm always asking people <laughs> who come on our show what they think from different angles, whether it's you know whatever. But that's why I was just wondering because it hits for repeating itself, man. I mean, you're right, Mark, with other people. You know, uh, it's the same. It's probably the same fucking. It's probably the same group, honestly. That's been well, yeah, it's, it's empires it's, from the beginning. Yeah, it came in with the drugs and the crime families. And I know KP recently did an episode on his podcast, American Losers, about the Westies. Maybe we could uh, take it in a little bit because I've been kind of speculating a lot, and that could we could spend a whole two hours explaining what I just said but uh but the westies the westies are something that i've known about being a guy in connecticut you know my grandparents italian they whispered about stuff like that and i would ask them about crime families and things they're like oh the westies but i never got a, a good 
good idea of who they are. Can you let us know about that? Oh, dude, that was, um, we had such a fun time with that episode. Uh, I'll tell you what, the easiest way to, to explain it is um, there was a movie that gets overshadowed um, because it came out six months before Goodfellas. Uh, it was 1990, and it was uh, Sean Penn, Ed Harris, Gary Oldman, and it's called State of Grace. Um, either of you guys see it? No, I haven't. No. Nobody has seen this movie. I was also uh, watching Goodfellas like on repeat. I had the black the uh, Chinatown VHS version of it. So nothing <laughs> mattered after that movie came out. Oh, it, it that's how good Goodfellas this is a wonderful movie and what I'm about to tell you about. But that's how good Goodfellas is that it just blocks it out. I mean you forget oh, it exists. Yeah. It's like uh Dark City coming out too close to the Matrix. Uh, but um, so in this movie, it, it's good. It wound up telling, uh, it tells, it's like four or five different people's stories, but all told through um, three characters, and it's all concurrent. So it's, it's kind of the whole history of the Westies told in one quick, succinct story. And uh, the Westies were essentially it, it was gang warfare, tough guy, um, Irish mobsters, and Hell's Kitchen. And yep. There was a little, there was a, a beef going on to help build the Javits Center. And the Javits Center was in Hell's Kitchen, so the Irish were running that job, and they weren't letting the Italians uh, get a taste of it. So the Italians, uh, you know, the, the classic move, the enemy of my enemy is my friend thing. So they said, well, who doesn't like this uh, Mickey Spillane guy that's running the Irish uh, mob in Hell's Kitchen? And they found this wild guy named uh, Jimmy Coonan who hated him because the guy had roughed up his father and held him uh, hostage for ransom once. So uh, young, uh, young Jimmy Coonan then gets a machine gun and uh, fires a full clip out at a bunch of the, uh, the Hell's Kitchen mobsters and lets them know, uh, you're, you're at war right now and I'm not going anywhere. And he winds up uh, muscling his way into power. And by the way, this is the coolest part of the Westies. This is when you know you're cool. You know how they say um, you're not allowed to give yourself your own nickname? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anybody who's ever tried to give themselves their own nickname is always a fucking loser. But uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, they call me nails. Yeah, whatever, dude. <laughs> um, but the Westies were great because they never called themselves the Westies. That's just how, like you were saying, your grandparents whispering about them. Like, oh, he's one of those wet. Like, that was like short for the West Side Hell's Kitchen mob type guys. But they were mm. the Westies because they they were. Um, this is a hundred percent a true story. Uh, they wound up signing a deal with the Gambinos, right? And the idea being, and they murdered. I want to say within a fifteen-year period, I think they were responsible between somewhere for uh, eighty to, I'm sorry, sixty to eighty murders in Hell's Kitchen. Oh, uh, yeah, they were they were brutal, brutal. It, it was incredible to read about in some of the, the big characters. Uh, and that movie, I won't ruin any of the movies. State of Grace. It's phenomenal. It's my favorite Gary Oldman performance. And he is, uh, what they said is that he pretty much became the guy. Like people who knew the guy growing up were like, yeah, that's, that's him. He's oh, like wow. watching a ghost. Um, but yeah, they were, uh, they were really wild cowboys. And in order to reel them in, the Gambinos were like, uh, hey, we got to, you know, you guys calm down with the blatant murders out in public. And, you know, you guys quit shooting. This, this was not in the movie. This is just something you have to hear about on the podcast or read it about yourself. But there was a guy, um, and I guess two, two Hell's Kitchen guys got into it. And the one guy shot the other guy point blank uh, on the streets in front of one of the bars they all hung out at. So because the other guys didn't like that, um, they then killed that guy in return. And apparently, if you walked into that bar at 4 a.m. that night, a guy by the name of Eddie the Butcher Comiskey and Jimmy Coonan, who was going to be the head of the Westies eventually, the two of them are sitting at the bar with the third guy's severed head sitting on the bar with them, and they had a drink put out in front of the severed head, and they lit a cigarette for him. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's so, and, yeah, it's, it's, it's so crazy, man, when you know about, like, what really went on in New York, and you see it. And now it's uh, Pride Month decorations are out in front of these places where yeah. the Westies used to whack people. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, dude, even just even New York prior to 9-11 that I could remember, but then hearing of these stories, it's just crazy, crazy, crazy what it was like back then. You know, was the 70s probably, right? 60s, 70s? 
Mm. Yeah, because uh, these guys were eventually afterwards, they signed with Gambino and they just became his personal hit squad. That was, yeah, uh, exactly. And I want to say Gambino, too. That was, um, what's his name? Uh, oh, my God. It was, it was John Gotti was running by Gambino. And Gotti, Gotti pretty much used them as his steel team six. So it's like, hey, I need yeah, exactly. all these people gone. Yeah. That's exactly what that was. Yeah. They were, it was like, and then, and, and they were such a problem that they had to cut out. Like, they became pretty much, they'd be, one of the only times I think probably ever in that history of, uh, you know, the crime families, the Italian crime families, where they let in, you know, they let in and made them because they were just such a problem. They didn't give a fuck about who, and, you know, who the Italians were taking over neighborhoods. They didn't give a fuck. And they were brutal. I never heard the head story. That's fucking crazy. Mark asked me about the Westies before the show, but it threw me off. I was, I thought he was talking about some like alien abduction story or something. It took me a second to realize what he was talking about. Well, there's a, there's like a, there's like a storage facility in my town. I don't know if this is like a chain and maybe it's all over the East coast, but there's a storage facility company that they closed down or sold their company to someone else. But it's called the Westies. And as a kid, I always just liked that dog. A neighbor of mine had a Westie. Uh, so I just would ask my grandparents about it. Like, Oh, what's that? You know? And then one day my grandpa told me like, Oh yeah, the Westies you ever hear about. And that's what I was referring to before. But yeah, I wonder if they, uh, they own that storage company. Uh, they never self applied that name. So that, that would be, uh, the they mixed cracks me up by the way, Mickey Spillane, who was the, uh, the old head of the hell's kitchen guys that got forced out by, um, the uh, Westies when they came through, um, he got murdered outside of a bar. Um, they say by one of the Gambinos, like as a favor to the Westies. But his son now owns a bar. I think it's called uh, Mickey Spillane's Westie Pub or something like that. Oh. And uh, it, it's still there. It's right in the heart of the kitchen, and you can go there. And I, I wasn't even kidding. Um, there's pride decoration. It, it might, I don't know if it's a gay bar, but that whole neighborhood is very gay friendly now, and it's. You know, yeah. to watch how quick, like you were saying, Mike, um, this was like the blue collar Irish, you know, uh, during my father's lifetime were living there, you know, uh, hoping to get picked to work jobs on the dock. And then now all of a sudden that is, uh, you know, an LGBTQ friendly community with, uh, you know, rent prices so high, you don't even want to know what it would cost to pay a mortgage on it. Oh, yeah, dude. Absolutely. I mean, downtown, this is, downtown and I was like my stomping grounds and uh I you know and it was like it was hell it was shitty and then uh you know after after 9-11 I remember begging my father I was too young after 9-11 to say dad you got to buy some property down there I'm telling you and forget it you can't you know it's crazy it's so New York is priced out the thing that really scares me about New York which I really don't like I always thought New York would never you never see Starbucks, Walgreens, all those things. I thought that would never happen in New York. You always, you're always going to just get your coffee from the either a coffee shop or a bodega. But when I go to New York these nowadays, and you see that there's really not as many mom and pops. Like I never thought that would happen in New York, and it turns to look like every other city, and it's crazy. It's just crazy how much the city has changed and been priced out. I mean, we could do a whole show, Mark, on just uh, all the ghost, the ghost buildings in New York. That these, that these billionaires bought up and nobody's living in. It's like really fucking eerie and weird what happens to New York. But yeah, those areas like Hell's Kitchen or downtown where I used to hang is like, you know, those are real blue collar where all this shit you see in the movies really was happening and happening right on the fucking streets where you would never, you know, it's definitely getting a little crazy again in New York. I think it's just because the cops don't feel appreciated and don't want to have to do anything anymore. And I kind of almost don't blame them. So it's going back, but it's also... It doesn't have its grit, and it doesn't have its, uh, it's missing its soul in New York. I feel like it's, it lost its soul after 9-11, just slowly. But, uh, you know, it's a shame. It's a shame what happened. But it's, the history in New York is absolutely fucking amazing. JP, I, I just want to thank you so much uh, for doing this and taking some time out of your day. Um, once again, any of our listeners, I really highly recommend that you uh, listen to his new comedy album, Escape from Jacksonville. It's fucking awesome. And I'm sure you'll love his podcast because this guy's got one of the best voices for podcasts I've ever heard. Uh, <laughs> right on. Uh, I appreciate that, man. You guys are uh, both fun dudes to talk to and hang with, so I'm happy to do that. And if I can, I, I will. I thank you from the stage. I don't know if you could hear it, but, uh, yeah, Mike uh, and also Sam, too. Uh, 
really turned uh, the dojo into a, a, a you know a place that I, I feel at home at. I'm always ha- I take the gigs blindly. There's so few people in comedy you can do that with, where you take the gig blindly. You say, "Hey, are you free this day?" You just say yes because you know it's going to be it, the, the heart of what you guys are doing is the right way it's supposed to be. There's a bunch, there's a couple other people out there that I can work with that way. There's a lot of other like clubs where I'd be like, "Hang on, let me go check their website and see what bullshit they're about to pull on me." Um, well, that means so, a lot. That means a lot, KP, because that's really uh, what I try to create here. I want the comics to feel at home, and I want the, the, obviously the, the guests that come to watch to feel comfortable. And I've been working my ass off to, to give it that atmosphere, and for you to say that means a lot, man. Thank you. Well, dude, it was, uh, first of all, we sold out the fucker. That felt pretty good. Um, <laughs> and then uh, all the comics on the show absolutely killed. Like I said, Vic did a great job, too. Um, I know you keep a good, uh, for lack of a better term, a, a harem of good young comics hanging out, too, which is important. <laughs> and uh, it's sure. just, uh, it, it's a great spot. I'm happy. If I, I wish I still lived up in North Jersey, um, and then I would just be there even more often. But uh, it, it, yeah. it's fun over there, man. And uh, getting to do the album release party was there, too. And on purpose, on purpose, I did, because, you know, uh, I've been there before. A couple people were coming back to see me. And stuff like that, and of course, I I would feel guilty trying to sell. Um, I wouldn't feel right trying to sell uh, an album that I just performed for you live to you. So I did. Uh, you know, I'm very happy. Yeah. A half hour of all new shit on Saturday. Yeah, Hell yeah, yeah. I noticed that. Yeah, it was great. Right on. Well, KP, once again, thank you so much. This was awesome, and uh, I'll see you. So I'll see you in a couple of weeks. But I'll talk to you soon, brother. You got it. Thanks, Katie.